been day three of a juice cleanse. Oh I, yeah, I haven't had. I've had like eighteen juices the past three days. That's all I've ate. Yeah, I bourbon, didn't even eat. I just drank. Does bourbon qualify as part of the juice cleanse? I don't know. I haven't had any alcohol, but I'm scared to try because I haven't had any solid food. <laughs> it's a dangerous game. I could get sloppy off one. <laughs> Hey everyone, just like last week, we've got some more news to cover before we kick off this week's podcast. As you all know, we are partnered with the Kentucky Derby Museum to bring the Legend Series to this podcast. They are giving an opportunity for all of our listeners that want to come and watch these happen in person to I'll have a coupon code. Before we get into that, make sure that you know that on February 2016th, it's going to be Kyle and Wes Henderson from Angels Envy. On March 15th, it's going to be Fred and Freddie No of Jim Beam. And on March 29th, we're going to have Evan Colesveen of Willet Distillery on. Now, if you want to come and see these in person, we're going to be there. It's going to be a long time until these are published on the podcast, so you should probably come. You can meet us, you can hang out, and you can listen to some good stories while Fred Minnick is the MC. It's code BP50, and you can go to derbymuseum.org slash legendseries. Now, this episode really touches on a lot of different things. You know, we talk about barrel picks in general. We hit again on the Crown Royal mash bill that was a follow-up to the last round table we had and we kind of also want to go into trying to understand why people chase blantons or is it just a false sense of shortage and speaking of barrel picks for our patreon members there is a sign up form to get yourself if you're interested in getting a bottle from a buffalo trace from the bourbon community roundtable barrel that we had picked out that we actually talk about on this episode in addition, there is a new thing that kind of came to light that happened this past week is that we have an opportunity to do an upcoming barrel split of a Maker's Mark 46 private selection. And this is going to be as well as going to be available to Patreon supporters as well. You can go in there. Let me know if you want to commit to a bottle and we can put you down. I have no idea what it's going to happen here. Uh, if this we can keep this pace up, you know, getting more barrels come in, but it sure is fun. Now, make sure you do support the show, especially if you like what you hear. It really does help keep this going. Make sure you're also subscribing on iTunes and YouTube and Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And always enjoy this week's episode. for another Give 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. 
From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back to the episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, the official podcast of bourbon, the number one podcast of bourbon. We are here with the 17th edition of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. It is a fan favorite. It is a crowd favorite. We've got 30 viewers on. We'll probably creep up to 50 relatively here soon. We got to wait for for Blake to to bring his his bourboner fan base here at some point. So it will happen. It usually <laughs> does. But uh, this is going to be a good episode. We've actually got a pretty jam packed list of news because it seems a little odd and. And Ryan, I'll, I'll kind of get your take on this. It seems like this is the kind of year when not a lot of news really happens, right? It's something that it's just, it's a pretty slow time of the year, right? Yeah, there's like pretty much nothing going on. My father-in-law, he always like, what's coming out? What's coming out? And I'm like, uh, nothing. Just, <laughs> just hang on. But, you know, that's just, just this time of year, January, man. It's winter, winter break. You know, you got to do juice cleanses and stuff this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can prepare your liver for yeah for, for summer and fall yeah i mean because there's only a, a few things that happen in spring and i think we'll uh, we'll have to get the guys from breaking bourbon on for a, another podcast here that we'll just talk about all the kind of new releases that you can expect uh, in the upcoming year but yeah this is also the t- time of year that we also end up kind of making up our own news as we go like what is what is things that are pet peeved about us that we can kind of test you know talk about and whatever for a little bit. So this is uh, this is going to be one of those episodes. We got a little bit of the news, but then we're going to kind of talk about it. It's going to be a lot of uh, opinions and stuff like that. It's so like a summer show for like, you know, people that cover basketball and football, you know, during the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, know, you know, our winners, the summer, vice versa, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like how much can you talk about the NBA when the NBA is off season <laughs> for these like six months, right? Right. Pretty much. <laughs> So we've got to try. Gonna, we are going to try. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we've got a we've got a full house tonight, minus one of the the regulars of the uh, of the Bourbon Roundtable, which is Carrie. But we've got a stand in of both of the guys from Breaking Bourbon. Well, I should say two thirds of the guys from Breaking Bourbon, the ones that are are usually here, made it tonight. The so. ones that aren't camera shy. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Dang, hey, it, Eric under the bus. <laughs> I, I think Carrie's out, man. He doesn't show up for the pick. He fails tonight. I'm Who's done. That? Who are you talking about? For Carrie. Yeah. Oh, just, I don't know. Yeah. Who? Who? Right. Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> it off the island. <laughs> Who's suburbia? I don't know. All right. So, Breaking Bourbon, you guys take it away. Introduce yourselves. 
Sure. This is uh, Jordan. And this is Nick from uh, BreakingBourbon.com. Uh, check us out online on social media. Uh, we got a big article that went live today, new 2018 whiskeys. Uh, check it out. Some of that stuff on there is confirmed. Some of it dozens. is new. Some of it is uh, kind of updates for the annual stuff. And some of it is kind of a little bit of speculation with some uh, hunches that we might see those things get released. So uh, some stuff to get excited about, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I think speculation is always the best part because we can always talk about things that'll never come. But nobody's gonna nobody's gonna call us on our bullshit ever. <laughs> we're, just, yet. Yeah, we're just permit blockers, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> we, we try to make it really clear which of those was you yeah. know what we knew about it and what we didn't know about it. So kind of identify that in the beginning and then in each of the summaries. So, uh, so we don't have take, take that for what it is. Yeah, we're we're like weathermen. So if we're wrong, who, who really cares? You know, you just happen to carry around an umbrella the rest of the day. You know, yeah. Yeah, 50 percent chance. <laughs> all right, so Blake, you chimed in there. Go ahead and introduce yourself, to everybody in the rounds or all of the people that are listening. Yep. So I'm Blake from Bourboner, um, the Cal Ripken of the Bourbon Community Roundtables. I'm pretty sure I'm the only member who hasn't missed a single one. So. <laughs> The Cal well, Ripken, the Brett Favre, the Jeremy around his schedule. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Cal Ripken wasn't a tight end, though, was he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Former so NFL be, tight end, uh, Blake Reber. Cal Ripken and an NFL tight yeah. end. So. <laughs> I, I've <laughs> lived quite a life. What can I say? What can I say? No, bourboner.com. You can find me Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, if you're listening to this, you probably – uh, have one of those social media outlets, so check it out. And Can Brian, wrap it up for us. All right, this is Brian from Sippin' Corn. You can find me most, uh, mostly on Twitter, at Sippin' Corn. And I spend my Januaries getting rid of, of partial bottles. Um, and that's, and you gotta, gotta clear the way for maybe a four rows of spring release and, and all the other releases you're gonna get. So I've got a warehouse ME four roses, and I was one of those uh, crazy people saying that ME had that great run and of OBSK and OESK about two, three years ago. And this is one of my last, so I'll be sad when it's gone. So, I mean, let's, let's talk about this for a second because that is something that was a, I think it was a group phenomenon for at least a solid three months running where people were going, they were just going crazy over those Emmy warehouses. I mean, was there, did anybody else have an opportunity to try any of those bottles? I really honestly wasn't hunting for them, but uh, you know, I'd be interested to see your all's take. Yeah. So I actually, I actually got it right here. Hold on. Oh, um, how convenient. Oh, isn't that convenient? <laughs> yeah, I think this was, yeah. So, so the, Second, this this was first or second bourbon or pick I did was an OE or OBSK, but then I had an OESK, and they were both ME twenty five one D. Go to sipping corn if you want to find out what it all means and all the different things. But I don't know. I I, th- I thought that was kind of like a. Uh, it was definitely some good bourbon, but it, to me, it felt like a little bit of a people trying to create a hype around there was definitely some good barrels, but I don't know if just one corner of the warehouse actually produces that many better barrels. Um, I think there's a lot of other factors, but it's kind of a cool thing to track some of those down. I mean, 
shoot, I picked up a few of them, so I'm just as much of a sucker as anyone else. So, so before we start talking about our barrel pick, you know, I kind of want to focus on that because I've actually never done a barrel pick at Four Roses before. So do they do uh, kind of like what we did at Buffalo Trace where they roll out pretty much a lot of the same barrels that were barrel or sorry, they were distilled on the same day and put in the barrel or are they pulling stuff from nine different places and you just got to go and blind and figure it out? It's, it's all, it's all different and it's, it's beautiful. And it depends on who you're there with and whether you're getting all 10 recipes or whether you're just getting one barrel, but because there's so many differences between their different recipes, they, they do them all blind. So you don't know how old any of them are. You don't know what the recipes are and you just taste 10 of them blind. And a lot of people who go in, like me, thinking I'm K-yeast all the way, whether it's B or E, I love the K-yeast. You know, sometimes I'll come out with an OBSV that is on the top, and the Ks are a little bit lower. So it's, it's a really good experience to do it at, at Four Roses. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Four Roses has been the best one I've done. Uh, the, when the, the first one I ever went on, they rolled out like 12 barrels for us. We did it with Toddy's Liquor. And like you said, it's blind. You have no idea what you're tasting. And then the last time I went, they only rolled out like four. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, but no, it, it's it's awesome. It's I think that's all of them are kind of going to that model how we, you know, they put four to six barrels out. And, you know, there you go. Cool. Yeah, I, I, it is kind of nice to taste them blind. I think that's the best way to do it. And they just have much more, you know, there's not a big difference when you're tasting well there's a big difference but based on the stats there's not a big difference when you go to like a buffalo trace whereas you have completely different yeast some different years all that kind of stuff whenever it comes to uh four roses so that is a really fun thing about it yeah i was about to say you saying blind wasn't really a big surprise it's kind of been your mo for the past uh three months now (laughs) (laughs) just trying to push that train a little harder but i'm kind of with brian there last one i did there ended up picking a Q, which I would have never thought I liked a Q, but hey, at the end of the day, that's what I picked out of the lineup. So we went with it. I didn't want to be like the guy who's like, eh, never mind. Q doesn't look as cool on the bottle. So I'll go with the second one that I liked. It was just K or, you know, whatever it was. Maybe one day you'll just do like a mystery. Like I'm not even going to tell you what what it is. (laughs) Just bottle it in a blank blank bottle <laughs> yeah it'll just say the like just, yeah it'll say like just like Burn. garble on the side yeah. and thing. <laughs> all right so let's go ahead and we'll, we'll dive into it the is is a lot of people are well aware that everybody here on the round table were actually in louisville uh last week for a barrel pick we did at buffalo trace so it was a good time we got everybody together uh all our internet friends here in person finally got to hang out uh you yeah, know people still hung over <laughs> <laughs> drinking both, drinking right? New York sours late in the night, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, and then, yeah, my my bar made uh, Instagram famous through Breaking Bourbon and Bourboner as well. So that was that was, was fun too. But uh, you know, this is one thing that we want to talk about because we are we are very glad that we could bring this barrel pick to some of our listeners, some of our Patreon supporters. So what I want to do is kind of talk about it a little bit uh, in regards of the process that we sort of went through. Uh, to kind of give everybody an overview, as we had mentioned already, the the way Buffalo Trace does this is they typically roll out uh, when you're there by yourself, anywhere between around three to four barrels. These three to four barrels are hand picked, they're hand selected, going to the single barrel select program. 
Uh, however, this time, since uh, Blake was uh, kind enough to do this with us, we got to choose not only, well, actually he got to choose, but we got to choose from a total, <laughs> we got to choose from a total of six barrels because we had the opportunity to, uh, to test against, to choose which one's going to be for the round table and which one's going to be just for bourboner. Uh, and then we were actually all going through and tasting them and we all had different ways we were doing it. Um, I think I might've been in the middle where I would taste something and I would write like, eh, it's okay or it's good or something. And then I know Nick and Jordan, you had your own way that, that you were grading barrels. Kind of talk about that because it's pretty simple. Yeah. I'll tell you what I was doing. I was uh, kind of doing a elimination to start. It was as simple as does it pass or does it fail? Yep. And uh, I were, think he were, looked at my notes and cheated. I had checks. <laughs> it was funny. You, you ended up doing that too. But uh, yeah, I mean, there were there were two for me that that failed immediately, and and four that passed. I think it was just getting through those initial, um, you know, because tasting six at a time, you know, that that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're trying to narrow it down, it, it is a lot because you're trying yeah. to pick the one, or in this case, we were trying to get to the two. Uh, with Blake's as well. So that was the kind of the initial cut for me, just keeping it really simple. Congratulations, congratulations, Bourboner listeners. You got the last two. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got the ones that everyone crossed off their list. <laughs> now, I, I have video somewhere of people say, oh, I really like barrel number four. I'm putting it on every advertisement I get. <laughs> that was me. That's trademark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah I think, I think Nick, uh, Nick nailed that right i very similar i think no surprise me and him usually grade the same way you know started with what one kind of automatic eliminate because there was a clear one for me that was just horrible right and i think actually oh, that was the one we all decided to eliminate right away girl number six and um we're just going back and forth right i found my worst one what's the best one right and then just narrowing it down so you could clearly see yep those two are going away but like nick said once we narrowed it down to four barrels that that got a lot harder because everyone definitely has unique tastes unique characteristics got different notes and then trying to find that that common middle ground um i mean i think we ended up with you know two great picks coming out of this experience but um it was interesting just get a you know a bunch of people who really love bourbon but all have very different um just tasting profiles and what they taste and things so it was fun that way yeah and it was interesting that we it it was unanimous if i remember correctly that two and six were were out uh, instantly on the first round and then we all had different tastes for mm-hmm. what was going to be the one we liked the most. But uh, but Kenny, what do you think about? Remember, six with one of the first ones out was fantastic barrel proof. But when it was proofed down, that and that's how we started tasting it. It was awful. I mean, just horrible. It just killed it. It killed really, it. Just mm-hmm. horrible. It was not worth drinking. But barrel proof. And what were they about one thirty five ish or? Think no. less than that. It was around 129. It was and it was it was so good. I mean, I'd I'd buy it nonstop. Absolutely. Yeah. It it yeah. was interesting. Um, I also think it, it was interesting the fact that I think we made uh, Susanna, who was our our Buffalo Trace liaison that day, she had to I think re basically go to the thief, I think, three to four times for each barrel for us. Because <laughs> we just kept drinking. We were, a little more. Yeah, it, it was funny because we were like, well, we're not going to get to the barrel proof yet because we keep drinking the the same 90 cut stuff uh, yeah. over and over and over again. But yeah, that's exactly what happened is that we went to number six. And we immediately said no. 
And we're like, okay, well, let's just go ahead and just drink this one barrel proof. And we're like, oh shit, like what should like, we get? Yeah, what should we get this one barrel proof? We go back too to bad. It's got to be proof yeah. down. Yeah. I, I I was calculating we probably drank what about a bottle and a half worth of bourbon if if you if you add it all up. Uh, what was she putting in? It was probably two down, ounces yeah. per what glass. Two ounces per glass. We started with two glasses, glasses per barrel, so twelve right? glasses. Yeah, what's that? Uh, that's 484 <laughs> ounces. So uh, you don't need to count. You all were drunk. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of bourbon before a lot of bourbon. 11 a.m. Let's yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So number six was actually the very first one that I had. I tasted it, and I was like, "We just came to Kentucky for nothing." <laughs> well, yeah, I thought, man, you know, I, I normally like Trace, but if all these are going to be like this, this is going to be a super disappointing barrel pack. Thank yeah. God it was just that barrel itself. Funny thing, I just, I just pulled up my notes and I had notes on everything and I got to six and I put six dash and then nothing after that. <laughs> like, I don't even need to put anything down because uh, if if anybody's trying to vote this one through, it, it is interesting to see like there there's kind of that that bar that everyone wants to see on quality and then everyone's taste kind of splits off from there. Yeah. You know, there, there's a there's a standard of good. And then it's basically personal preference, and I think we all kind of debated on that afterwards, which was yep. interesting. Yeah, I think I think, for, I, I think the four that we didn't eliminate, I think it really was just on a personal preference. Yeah, mm-hmm. any of those, any of those was acceptable. Yeah, you know, just what you liked, what you didn't. So, like. what was interesting for those listening? So, these six barrels, right? Barreled the same day, aged right next to each other. They all went through like they were. They weren't just randomly pulled. They went through Buffalo Trace's own internal committee to say, yeah, these could be sold as single barrels, right? They're good enough. And they so, were the rejects from the day yeah. before. Well, yeah, and so exactly right. So we asked Susanna, you know, what's going to happen with number six? And she said, someone's going to end up loving it, which if that's truly the case, just goes to show you how crazy wild people's palates can be like varying between each other. I mean, but they also have several where I think it's like, yeah, just uh, let Harlan Wheatley pick out one of mine. And I'm sure it's just like, eh, what do we got left? <laughs> Which one has been here since January? <laughs> what do we got to get rid of? All right. That one. Good. Yeah. Okay. So did, you know, I've, yeah. I've wondered on, on some picks though. Um, I've, I've wondered if they do put a dog barrel in just so that everyone can think how good the other barrels are Ooh, i mean i've got, no, I've got nothing to prove that but i've had that Conspiracy thought because there. i've been on a bunch of selections where there is a clear dog huh but but there's a psychology to that too it makes you make a decision when you're already like all right we can eliminate that one let's keep moving it's like yeah but you know yeah. no distillery is gonna want to admit hey here's a really crap <laughs> <laughs> here's our worst whiskeys so let's yeah. find it <laughs> The thing I did is funny, ask- the, is the one we ultimately picked, I remember looking at Kenny's after first round, and the one we picked, it said F no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did it blind, and he picked it, you know? So it's fun. It, you know, it, it really was. I mean, for me, I don't know. Like, I don't have the, the great tasting notes like Blake does. I mean, I was just going through, and I'm not as – uh, I guess as easy as just to put a checkbox or a or a or an X all over it, but I, I do remember. I think it was either two was either the first or second one I tried, and it just didn't do anything for me. Uh, it didn't have any kind of that spice or anything that was like really because put it this way, like I had an idea like going into it and thinking like this is what I want to find. And none of those really the night before that uh, 
throw you off yeah. those first two. Yeah, maybe maybe it was like I drank too much the night before. But I mean, it, it really does. Like oh, I go into you, it, and no, seemed I, like you felt good that morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure I texted all of you and I said the last thing I feel like doing right now is drinking. <laughs> oh, I pull into the distillery. Kenny's taking a photo of the entrance. And he looks at me. He's like. I'm so hungover. I can't do this <laughs> or something like that. I was like, oh God. I think you were worried that we weren't even up yet, Kenny. We were like, oh, yeah. no one's responding to me. <laughs> you guys know where we're going. <laughs> I, but I tried to, to, be to his friend. credit, as, as soon as Kenny took his first sip, it was like he was back. flipping a light switch and he was on. Five like hours on flight. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but, but you know, to back to the tasting note thing and the and the pass fail thing, you know, I think for me, I, I wasn't I don't I wasn't looking for a specific group of flavors or anything like that. It was as simple as what's my favorite one. Yeah. And for that, I, I didn't really feel like I needed tasting notes to do that more process of elimination. Just keep eliminating till I feel like I've chosen the the one that stands up against the others. I'm to keep it that Nick. simple. I like Nick's style. I think tasting notes are bullshit. There's no way you all taste all these intricacies, <laughs> but you just drink what you like. Well, describing it, describing it afterwards. Though, I mean, but you, you but want to describe like, it after? Yeah, it's it's like cues in my head of so I can remember what I was tasting there. It's like, oh, okay, that's how it differentiated. It, there, those things may not even be there at all, but you know, that's, no, that's I got how you. remember them just to defend tasting notes. But the interesting thing was when we came down to the two, it was like, all right, this is to us a really good Buffalo Trace pick, and then this one is a unique barrel pick. I don't remember which one we actually ended up going with, but um, it was interesting how, you know, we went the difference just the barrel can make in the flavor profile of a whiskey. Cause you think every other variable or every other thing is constant, you know, it's distilled on the same day, basically next to each other. So it's just the wood is the only difference. So, Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering who switched when we went blind too. I know just mentioned Kenny's notes there. You know, early on though, that was probably a note from early on. Did anybody remember if they picked the one that they thought they liked or if they they switched when we went blind? I picked I, three we, from the get go, yeah. and then we picked three. Like that's, that, that was my initial favorite. That was three. The one we ended up picking was yeah. not one that I liked initially. I mean, it wasn't the worst, but it was just one I was so so on. But when we went blind, it ended up being the the best sip at that moment. At sure. that point in the tasting, I'm pretty sure I just took them both as a shot. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, what are we doing? Okay, I'll take Now it. he's trying to downplay the bourbon to me. Right? <laughs> he's trying to lift yeah. the bourbon or pick. <laughs> bourbon, well, I, I have it all got we, can, we can go back and see who liked what. <laughs> so it's on video. <laughs> yeah, it will be on video at perfectportv.com in the future. So make sure you keep your eyes out for that. And I'm sure we'll all let you know. But uh, just to kind of go and talk about what uh, uh, Brian had said, everybody knows Wade Woodard. Uh, he's a pretty, pretty uh, prolific consumer advocate. And he's also started a blog at tatertalk.com. But he also had an article out there that said, what's it between a store pick and a group pick? And so this is technically what you would call a group pick, where everybody kind of went there, went together, and we got the opportunity to taste it and actually choose the barrel. Versus a store pick, which sometimes you will see, and it has that sticker that says, like, selected by Harlan Wheatley, master distiller. And it can be, and this is what he pointed out in his article, exactly what Brian said, that they just go and they say, just go grab them, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter, right? So it it does have some validity, I think. So that's one thing to keep in mind that, you know, 
ours is way more valuable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, just drop the market up there now. It's, 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 a, it's a really good point because like a lot of times retailers get barrels because it's cheaper and it, it, not as much these days, but it used to be where they could, you know, get a K or get a whole barrel. If they knew they were going to sell through it in a year, they might as well save, you know, 10 to 15 bucks on a case because they were going to sell through it. So it just made sense. Whereas we're yeah, going to sell it higher, really focused. Yeah. Yeah. Really focused on the taste. They can bump the price up a few dollars and save money. Like it's a win for a store. So if you're buying store picks, you got to really trust who is picking it out. Absolutely. And never, Always ask first. Like if they say, "Oh, well, we we let the master distiller do that, do the work, and he he tastes through and uh, I'll barrel sticks." Yeah. 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 I think we've all seen enough winner right there. Yeah. The tasting committee. We got to get rid of this garbage. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, Buffalo I Trace is hiring for tasting committee. I think we would all say we'll we'll uh, we'll help them out. <laughs> if you're if you're a retailer too, I mean, depending what your goal is, I mean, at the end of the day, they're volume, they're moving volume. So if they're doing pick after pick after pick throughout the year, you know, it's going to burn out a little bit. And it depends, you know, how interested is are the people who are doing the pick and picking something good versus just getting something with we pick this on the label. So you, you got to do your research and talk to the people who actually picked it. If you're going to put validity into, you know, whether or not that's going to be a special barrel or not, just because it has a sticker on it doesn't necessarily mean it's special. It's a single barrel, but Unless it's one of our stickers. How did it arrive? The Bourbon Community Roundtable sticker. Yeah. That means it's a gold standard folks. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah. With it's gold. Good wax. Yeah. It's a good not dripping. Nick because, uh, Oh, sorry. I'll say it's a good point because I've done picks with liquor stores and, you know, you find those like unicorn profiles or, you know, you're like, wow, this is really outstanding. He's like, yeah, but that's for you whiskey geeks. I need to sell this to everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> and exactly. I'm like, Fair enough. You know, so. It's a good point. Cool so yeah. let's go ahead and we'll, we'll kind of move on to, to something new to talk about. So I had already mentioned Wade and uh, his blog at tatertalk.com, but this is the part of the the podcast we're getting a segment we call speculation which could also potentially be a new orphan barrel name in the future <laughs> <laughs> but as we talked about that wade is a a very well-known consumer advocate he's also a whiskey law sleuth and this is when he had created a new article called diageo done screwed up and he talked about the crown royal bourbon mash bill that we had actually discussed in the last round table and he went through and discovered that they are actually in violation by calling this uh, something of, from bourbon. Uh, he refers to 27 CFR 5.22 I slash one. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer like Brian. I don't know what this all means. <laughs> but he said this is the smoking gun. And it states that the word bourbon shall not be used to describe any whiskey or any whiskey based distilled spirits not produced in the United States. This is exactly what Diageo did. They used bourbon to describe a product that was produced in Canada. Now, he got a response back from Diageo, and the TTB actually initially approved this, but they later asked Diageo to surrender it. Uh, this is after quite some time. But since Diageo already had a product ready to go with launch events, packaging, promotional material, etc., they came to agreement with the TTB that they could actually use this label for a period of one year. So can anyone take some guesses as to what this product might be called after the one year is over? 
speculation. Well, one, can we also <laughs> yeah, can we also get a um, thing where it's like, hey, you're free to do illegal things if it's just for one year. <laughs> yeah, right? Get that same. Uh, <laughs> I'll sign up yeah. for that. Yeah, that's a good gig if you can get it. Right. Uh, Which is just seems so funny to me. Like, how does an agency that supposed to regulate it not say oh nope actually we screwed up or whatever it is oh we see that i mean yeah haven't you seen we that? see that all the time more with smaller craft distilleries we talk i mean the three eyes breaking bourbon talk about this all the time we'll call out distilleries too and they usually stop talking to us afterwards but um surprising yeah i mean it, a lot of a lot of stuff goes through them so it really makes you wonder if they don't care if the volume is too high if there's like one guy and he's overwhelmed you know, a girl. Know. Have you ever heard a lobbyist? Well, there's also that too. <laughs> you know, they're like, get this third. Come on. Just, <laughs> you got a shit ton of stock. Come on. Just turn a blind eye. Yeah. So, so did um, Crown Royal say that they're going to continue to keep the product on the market with, under a different name or they'll just take bourbon mash out of it and call it like, I don't know, Crown Royal Double Black or something? <laughs> That actually wasn't any part of the article, so I do not have any kind of guesses to, to either what they are going to call it or if it's just going to be taken off the market. But I would highly, highly doubt yeah. they would just take it off the market. And um, if you're the if you're the brand manager though for this brand for this specific bourbon, right? Well, quote, quote unquote bourbon. bourbon. What a great like what a great gig you got now. If it sells hot for a year, you just get a different name, right? Yeah. If it tanks, uh, you know, it's not my Sorry. fault to tank. You know what? We just can sell it anymore. You're like you're good either way with this job. <laughs> I heard they were going to call it the Pursuit Edition. Oh, I like that. I like that. Crown Royal Pursuit. Here we go. Barely illegal. (laughs) (laughs) No, that sounds sounds like it should be shut down. I know. I was like, oh, we're 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 touching some fine lines there. (laughs) Alex Alex Coffin did uh, mention. He says, you know, if you're if it's unelected, you're kind of unaccountable. Which, as you guys from Breaking just pointed out, that. This stuff happens all the time. They they approve labels. They put stuff on the website, and then all of a sudden, yeah, whiskey geeks they get a hair up their ass and they want to go and call people out. But in their, I mean, in your opinion, how much how much do you think they should care to uphold the law here? Because it's not like anybody's going to jail over this. It's not like anybody is. Uh, let's put it this way: nobody's dying. Nobody's nobody's like. What's, there's no real harm that's coming out of this, except for people that want to prove their knowledge base maybe so what kind of talk about what you think about that i I think at the end of the day if you're going to have a rule that you're not going to enforce just eliminate the rule if you're going to have a rule that says you can't say age less than four years and then you let everybody it's an obvious thing and then you let everybody roll out a label that says age less than four years you know what are the guys supposed to do who are aged for 18 months when they're competing with somebody who says aged less than four years and they're getting approved, they're going to look at that and say, well, I'm going to roll my whiskey out the same way because it's not fair competitively. Right. And then before you know it, everyone's doing the same thing. So I don't know. I'm not, as far as the rules go, I'm not saying this should be the rule or that should be the rule, but if you're going to have a rule. You might as well enforce it. Otherwise, what's the point? Rules are not made for big boys. You know, the big companies always can get around rules. It's like the little guys they get hit by them, but it reminds me of like the NCAA, like you, you get caught cheating and you're banned like 
five five scholarships in the future. You know, it's not like the people that did it. So like the coaches go on skate, they get new jobs. You know, whatever. Yeah, so unless you work at UVA, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, see, I, and I want to throw my answer out before Brian starts talking because he's going to have the actual <laughs> the right answer. Yeah, yeah, the right answer. But you know, these things are in place for, to protect brands. You know, bourbon is a protected name because it means something to consumers. So if you're just going to let people use it, what's the point, you know, is it's the same thing with like trademarks and all that kind of stuff. You, yeah, you get a distillery like Wilderness Trace who has to change their name to Wilderness Trail because Buffalo Trace goes after them. So it's protected. So I think it should be enforced. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of times the little guys lose out on that, but that's a part of it. You can't just say, all right, if you're over a certain dollar amount in sales, you're allowed to break the law or bend the law. No, the rules are the rules. So, And, and a lot of it too has to, I mean, you have to recall where this industry initially came from way back when, right? When, when distilling first took place, there's a lot of mistrust. There's a lot of lying, you know, initial way back when rules were put in place to protect the consumer, and to stop distilleries from from cheating, basically, right? Like the bottle and bond law, everything else that, that came after it. So even though nowadays, a little bit more trust, you know, a little bit more transparency, thanks to the way information travels, they're still there really at the end of the day to protect the consumer. So if, if they're not doing that, you know, and I agree, like what Nick said, get rid of the rules and have a free for all. But that's a shame because I think the industry worked really hard to get to this point to get that protection. Um, whether they want to or not, it's here now. And I think it's done really well over the years. So if you take that away, you're just, you know, taking a step back. We're not going to let the Canadians come in. Feel our bourbon. I was about to say the same thing. It's like, ironically, it's a Canadian. We talk about that, buddy. They took our bourbon. Brian, so drop that knowledge You just lost all your Canadian oh, listeners. Yeah. Uh, the, the South Park memes could keep going from here. <laughs> Brian. And the, uh, the, the rules go. are pretty complex. I mean, so it's it's harder for the, like I forget who said it. It's the small guy whose job is not only to run the still, but also to do do label approvals and, and marketing and everything else. I mean, there's no way that guy can can keep up really. But Diageo can keep up with the rules, and a lot of the other labels that have snuck through that have said straight when it's not a straight whiskey. And they, they've gotten through because there's just not the capacity at TTB and, and COLA approval to really look at everything. And then the an additional downside to that is Maker's Mark got sued for saying handmade on its on its label when it's not. I mean, it's it's to a large part mechanized. Um, but they then use the TTB approval as support for why they get to say handmade. And there's a lot of reasons they should be able to say handmade whiskey on it. But so they, they end up using TTB approval as a, as a defense when someone sues them. And that's the part that really gets me is you, you've got an agency that's not doing what they need to do. Maybe it's because they don't have the, 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 the manpower to do it. Um, but they, they're, they're, the fact is they're not, they're not minding the store like they should be. Um, so I don't think I have a different answer than anyone else other than uh, other than to say it's 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 important to protect the, the labels and it's important to protect the, um, yeah. the the dogs and everything else. Um, but you, but it's it's important to comply with these rules. And I agree with everyone. You've got to 
you got to have support. You got to have enforcement. Yeah, I think uh, Jordan brought up a really good point. The the fact that these laws were actually made a long, long time ago to help protect the consumer. And I think it was, I mean, you could have said as, as much as probably, just probably maybe a little bit over three years ago. Um, and then for that, maybe a span of, uh, you know, two and a half decades that didn't really matter. Right. It was, it was the same eight people making the same product. Like yeah. it wasn't really going to change that much. And then now all of a sudden we had this new resurgence of craft distillers. We had this new resurgence of everybody trying to find this little niche in the market of how they can make their product stand out for somebody else. And so maybe this is high time that they should really be paying a lot more attention to it because this is now, now the, the focus is more on them now that it has been in the past 20 years, right? So I, I think that's a, a – Jordan brought up a really good point with that too. So does anybody have anything else to, to add on this before we go to hit up on the next topic? I think I would, I think I would just add a question to that and if anybody in the chat on YouTube to respond to this too. But how much of that responsibility should rest on us as the consumers and the writers? and the bloggers and the podcasters and everyone else, you know, are they just taking the approach of we're simply going to enforce the handful of things we enforce and the rest of it, we're going to leave to you guys to bring lawsuits, bring publications, approach producers, do whatever, you know, is that a fair balance to say that, you know, part of it rests on the consumer to do their research and know what they're buying or should it be TTB and the government's responsibility to essentially control all that and put the resources there. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. How much of that responsibility should rest on us as the consumers and the writers and the bloggers and the podcasters and everyone else? You know, are they just taking the approach of we're simply going to enforce the handful of things we enforce 
And the rest of it, we're going to leave to you guys to bring lawsuits, bring publications, approach producers, do whatever. You know, is it a fair balance to say that, you know, part of it rests on the consumer to do their research and know what they're buying? Or should it be TTB Mm -hmm. and the government's responsibility to essentially control all that and put the resources there? I mean, somebody should just hire Wade over there and just pay him (laughs) enough that he's happy and then maybe this will never happen again, right? I mean, if there's one person that knows all the rules, it's it's gotta be him. So <laughs> if, if somebody's looking to fill a position at TTB, like it should be pretty easy to know who to go to. But uh, to answer Fair your point. question, not to make a light of the light of the matter, I think you're right. I think, like I said, I think the government needs to have a little bit more of a, uh, more of a more of a bit of a spotlight on them, um, and then the the problem is is that as as was counted or put in or put in the chat earlier is that really nobody's holding anybody accountable. Nobody's holding the TTB accountable. Everybody thinks that uh, the people that are pushing forth the labels are the ones that have to be the ones accountable. Uh, in fact, it's these people that do the checks and balances are are the ones that should probably be held accountable. That just let these things slide underneath the radar, right? I mean, it's. If I could think of a good analogy, I would. But I mean, there's just it's just one of those things where you you need to understand that the people that are uh, in charge of making sure that what gets approved it actually gets that you know that that rubber stamp at the end of the day. Like I'm sure it's just not like one person doing this. I'm sure it goes through at least like two to three or four layers of people that look over. I would this. hope. Yeah. Yeah. I wish well, I, I wish I had a better answer, but yeah. Well, in the enforcement of you know there. There's going to be technical violations of TTB regulations, and there's going to be big violations. There's going to be Templeton calling it straight and not disclosing that they have an additive. And I think that's where you get into outside enforcement. And that's why there was a class action lawsuit and a huge settlement, both monetary for reimbursement for people who bought the bottle, and they had to change the label. They had to put Indiana on it, and they uh, couldn't call it, call it straight anymore. So yeah. I think that's that's where true enforcement comes in. When it's something, I mean, arguably here, the, the name of the brand was Crown Royal Bourbon Mash Blended Canadian Whiskey. So is a consumer really going to think that they're drinking bourbon or that, they've, that they're buying bourbon? You know, probably not. I mean, you're an idiot if you do. I mean, it's it's clearly a blended <laughs> Canadian whiskey. That should be TTB enough for wow. It's, so, uh, so it's, you know, it's a violation. They they shouldn't have done said bourbon mash on it. And period. Next paragraph, though, it's blended Canadian whiskey, and no one's going to be misled. But that should be something that the TTB has right in front of them. That yeah. right, they, right. they check it off and say, nope, go back. You have to do something different. Yeah. That's I mean, right. You can't call you know, it as far as the straight, you know, and what people are really putting in the bottles, at the end of the day, we can't expect the TTB is going to be able to be at every location everywhere and figure out exactly what's going in. And they have the label in front of them though, and they should know the guidebook. They should know the rules and they should be able to say when there's a rule that's broken, no, you can't do that label. I mean, that's kind of, that's what we depend on them to do, you know, and then where there's deeper violations, well, that's, that's up to us, you know, it's up to the consumers and, you know, the people out there on the ground, so to speak. Especially when it's a big, big brand as Crown Royal. I mean, Jesus, if they're get if they, it's like, I can understand a small brand getting it through, but somebody like them, come on, you know, that's crazy. I think this is one more thing on this topic and going back to whose responsibility is it don't, you know, for all of us on this, especially all the, all the different groups on this round table. And then also everyone out there who either has a bourbon website or a blog or anything else, I think 
no matter what you write and put out there, you'd be surprised how much your voice matters. This was a few years ago, and Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, was that like Colorado whiskey? But anyways, turns out there was a lawsuit. Breckenridge. Breckenridge, there we go. Yeah. We're like Googling breaking bourbon one day, and all of a sudden we see her quoted in this lawsuit. And they're pulling information using us in part of their argument as what we had posted and what we had found out about this, you know, this distillery. And that actually went towards um, the prosecution, which so was wild. But, you know, so yeah, that's you what know. Josh from Red, White & Bourbon, he sent us the message. He said, are you guys going to get subpoenaed? <laughs> and he said, it's like, Josh, so I think, you're, digging, you're digging deep, man. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, but that is a good lesson learned, right? So if you see something, this sounds really stupid, but if you see something, say something, put it out there. Right? Because you never you never know, like your, your voice may actually end up helping, helping change something that's been done illegally. Cool. All right, let's let's go ahead and move on. I think we beat this one to death. There were there were a few good comments in here. Um, Kevin Brinkerhoff said, "Just put the poll on straight bourbon and vote against it." Uh, you could probably do the same thing with Reddit if it's got enough upvotes. Then it's it's probably good to pass TTB. And then Chris Haynes said, "Remember that half the consumers already believe Crown is bourbon anyway." Touche. <laughs> Touche. Yep. Okay, it's, it's on bourbon menus at airports all across the country. Oh, it's true. Along with along with Jack Daniels, but we yeah, won't get into right. that yet. <laughs> We're not going to get into that. We're it not going to get into that. The bourbon or group. <laughs> Blake, right. make that a rule. <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and move on. The so we had talked about it last time as a rumor. It's been officially confirmed. OKI has announced the end of their line with the bunch of their 12-year barrels mm. that are currently being dumped soon. And however, people are starting to clean out shelves of OKI all around the country, or at least in where it's distributed. In addition, just the standard old scout, just a single barrel, seven, eight, nine years, that's being cleared out to left and right. And these aren't even store picks. This is just the regular bourbon uh i want to kind of get a gauge on what you all think is it january and people are just getting stir crazy or is there really panic mode being set in right now oh maybe they're just nervous that the new stuff's not going to be as good as the mgp stuff i don't know the because it's a really good product you know it is good. Putting out right now and so you're like well might as well get all we can before they screw it up with their new shit it's a, it's a little <laughs> bit of it's just a little bit of having or getting something now that you can't have in the future, right? I guarantee you, we're going to see the same exact thing happen. Even though this can sound stupid, with four roses yellow, right? People are going to be like, "Oh, I want the old yellow label with the screw cap because it's not going to be yellow anymore. Who knows what it's going to be like?" So let me go yeah. clear out the yellow. It's cheap. It's the same thing that's happening right now. Yeah, you know, like, just people yeah. want what they're not going to be able to get later. Absolutely. Yep. Blake, you're on mute, buddy. I, I wish I didn't buy. Any more uh, Elijah Craig twelve year? Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> kind of I'm, I'm kidding. Thinking back, you think back. I mean, reality is how many people are sitting there saying, you know, I bought enough of that. I was good to not buy any more at twenty five bucks. I mean, I think most of us can say that it made sense at that point to buy a bunch of it when you knew it wasn't going to be that anymore. Why not? You know, it was low cost. It was accessible. It's going to be different. You know, or it was, you know, it was different after. So it's just that uh, as things run out, you want to have it before it's gone. People love scarcity. Yeah, they do. They do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, though, it, it's and I, I think that we just saw like another new label come from Kentucky out today. Uh, well, it's under the Kentucky out umbrella, which was uh, old Carter, I believe is what it was called. Stolly umbrella. 
But I mean, when, when I think about it, there's just, there, there's so much new stuff that's coming to the market. I mean, and we're at the, we're at the very beginning of, of what we're going to see is a flood of stuff that's going to be coming. And yeah. it just seems, in my opinion, that people are going to panic mode uh, of just because something is reaching their end of life that, that they've got to, they got to get it. And it's like, why? Like, there's going to be so much stuff that's going to be coming out that sure you're going to have, you know, you spent 70, 80, $90 on each one of these bottles. But at the end of the day, like, that's cool. Like have one or two, but man, you don't need to buy seven. Like it's, it's nothing <laughs> no. that's going to not be there in the future. Like MGP is not slowing down production. I can guarantee you that. Right. So there's going to be even more labels and more brands that are going to be coming out here uh, in the very near future. And as Alex Coffin just said, it's FOMO, it's FOMO all over again. Yep. Oh yeah, it always. Well, but Kenny, what about the lack of the old growth oak barrels? Ooh. I mean, it's not the same barrels, right? Uh, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Okay. Good. Because I was about to say, I was like, we've had people yeah. on before that, and and they say that the barrels that go, or like the wood that goes into the barrels, is like one one thousandth of the wood that's actually used on a per annual basis of you know even like the housing market right like it's really not that much yeah there's always some here right now yeah, yeah but this like this uh, wood is this wood is special though right. <laughs> there's special wood. the old wood back in the day eight years ago <laughs> made the wood but i was gonna say you're all with the sexual windows that i hear nick you know that right <laughs> <laughs> that, you got the fairly legal i mean <laughs> coming off really creepy in the round table <laughs> <laughs> Now, what a great! I wonder if that'll be the next orphan barrel or Diageo stick, right? Like, all right, this was the forest where the barrels used to come from, or the wood used to come from for the barrels that went to Stitzel Weller. So, you know, we're going to be reusing this wood from this forest, and people just start hoarding them. The the funny thing is to me is how many people still buy into like the Blade and Bow Stitzel Weller. Yeah, it's Blade and Bow, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. I've had people tell me, yeah, this is Blaine Bow. It's from this uh, distillery that shut down. Last barrels they ever had. Mike, I don't – okay, just I'm, – I'm just going to let this one fly because I don't have to explain this one. But they are going to milk that one, which I guess, hey, they got the trademark. Why not? So I'm sure they'll throw a, as much marketing as they can at the Blaine Bow name with Stitzel Weller. Kenny. <laughs> Can you blame them? Just no. Here's the thing that here's the thing that, sure. that it's kind of weird about Here. that right? is that sure everybody that's listening to this, everybody that's on this roundtable, everybody that's in the chat, they all know what Stitzel Weller is. Yeah, but the greater ninety percent of the bourbon consumers out there, do they think they have any clue? I mean, they just started learning about or even started drinking bourbon six months or a year ago. Like they're they're not going to know what Stitzel Weller is maybe ever or unless all of a sudden they start getting the the itch to go join the Bourbon or Facebook group and then start following podcasts and reading blogs right like I I don't see the uh, the big na- the big thing that maybe most consumers aren't going to really care about that yeah which I, I made this point but I realized I was on mute with the uh, Crown Royal thing and you know the majority of people who buy the Crown Royal Bourbon Mash could care less whether or not it's actually bourbon or one way or the other. And that's, you know, it's fun for us to talk, talk about it, but we are the very small minority of the whiskey drinking. You know, it's, it's a billion dollar industry. We probably make up at least a few million of that buying power, but you know, 
it's a it's a very small section, and so most people could care less. They just want something that's cool and they can show off to their friends. So. Uh, Bruce and Bourbon had a pretty good comment that says, I am surprised that a tree age has not been stated yet on a label as a marketing tool. <laughs> nice. I mean, yeah. that is true. I, I agree with that. Yeah. 200 year old. That's a really good point. Huh. I mean, it, put it this way. I think anybody knows that at this point, Buffalo Trace is the one that's probably doing the more experimentation than anybody else. So they probably have some, because I know they're using crazy things like uh, they're using redwoods. They're using, uh, I forget some other kind of like Bengal tiger kind of wood. I'm not a woods from all over the place. Yeah, no, they're doing some really cool wood. They're doing a lot of crazy stuff over there. But yeah, it's uh, Nick knows all about those crazy wood experience. <laughs> yeah, he, he does. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to a new topic because uh, there's a few more things that I, I kind of want to get to before we we end this. Um, Actually, you know, while we're also while we're also on this, I think this is a, a good discussion as we're in panic mode and talking about the current state of the market. There was a, a good quote that came back on January 29th in one of the forums, and they said that Four Roses 125th is uh, valued almost $100 less on the secondary, more than the recent four, uh, Al Young's Four Roses 50th anniversary bottle. However, the Four Roses 125th is an older bottle. Uh, more bottles have easily been more consumed by now, you know, 2013 versus 2017. However, most people think it's a superior whiskey, yet it is valued less than the Four Roses Al Young bottle. Now, is that because that the new influx of people getting into this just don't care about older whiskey or just new people just want to get the the newest juice or the hottest juice that's on the market today? Like, so what are your thoughts? I think it comes down to popularity. I think it's a big popularity contest when you're thinking about secondary value. You know, demand's going to drive it. I think it's a pretty small, relatively small group of people that's buying and a relatively small group of people that's selling. You know, so think about 20, 30, 40 years from now, you know, all the whiskeys we have right now, what are people going to want? They're going to want the things they know the names of. You know, so how many whiskeys today, how many of their names are going to survive through those generations over the years where there's still some kind of demand for it? And it probably just comes down to that simply that a lot of people out there don't know what 125th is. So you just don't have as many people that are looking for it and trying to buy it. As silly as this may be, I honestly think the shape of that bottle and how unique it is. <laughs> I, I kid you not. I think that plays in the perception for a lot of people that this is a cool Art Deco type bottle. It's a throwback. It looks like nothing else out there must be like nothing else out there. Thus it's better. Not saying that by no means is that, you know, what it that does be. make it unique though. And visu visually too. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. That's weird. I mean, 125th is a great bourbon. Don't get me wrong. Great bourbon. And Blake, where did that, where did those two end up on your blind tasting or was Al Young's 50th part of it? I can't remember. Uh, it was, um, whew, I'm gonna have to look. 125th did rank higher than Al Young's blind. Um, I'll, I'll get you the official. It's okay. Uh, Just but I'll, yeah, what it, do you it, it, it did come in higher than, um, than the, uh, let's see. So 125 came in, um, came in third, Al Young's came in fourth. They're about a quarter point apart in the blind tasting. So really neck and neck. I mean, I, I call that almost a tie, but I mean, I, I think it really is a part of a lot of people don't realize um, 
what the 125 is. And so that means there's less buyers, less demand. Um, Al Young's did win the Bourboner Whiskey of the Year, so I'd say that plays a Clearly huge market influence. I just went and bought a ton, ton of Al Young's and rigged the whole um, holding <laughs> process. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it really is. It, like that is a really cool bottle. There's no way around it, but um, it, it was good. It was very good. Um, got a lot of attention. So I think it's everyone wants the new and hottest thing. So that was it. So I think that kind of plays the biggest part in it. Yeah. I think the hype train is really there. And it's, it is funny because you do see this that, uh, I mean, you see some of the, like the uh, the legendary, you know, William Lou Wellers, not to say the Weller 19, but there's some really good old William Lou Wellers that don't necessarily like have, uh, you can you can get the 2017 Maybe you just pay like an extra hundred bucks and then you'll have something that's uh, maybe years and years ahead better, right? So I don't know. It is it is kind of crazy how newcomers to this are are kind of masked to the degree that they don't necessarily know like what are the best ones, the previous releases or anything like that. And they just kind of see that, you know, Blake has cornered the market on Al Young. So <laughs> it is what it is. All right. So we'll, we'll move on uh, to another one. So we see it all the time in the forums. It's in Bourboner. It's in uh, our local Facebook groups of hunting groups and everything like that. And I see it all the time that people are complaining about finding Blantons. And I don't know about me. I'm getting sick of it. It just is about as much as I get sick of people trying to find and hunt down Weller Special Reserve. But it's because for me, Blantons just doesn't do it anymore. Just straight Blantons. Uh and I, I want to kind of get your idea. Do you all think like maybe BT is manufacturing this or do you really think it is a scarcity thing? Yes. I've thought all along they that's their number one play is scarcity. I feel like they do it intentionally, but I could be wrong. I have no idea what their stocks are, but they do a great job at it to create demand. But um, it's funny. Last week, my cousin wanted, she was like, my, oh, my husband wants uh, two bottles of Blands for his birthday. I can't find it anywhere. And I was like, really? I was like, I hadn't bought it in five or six years, and I was like, I was like, no way. And I went to a store, and they're like, yeah, we can't get Blands anymore. And I'm like, are you shitting me? Uh, <laughs> but so I had to go to like my honey hole to keep and get them two bottles. But yeah, I can't believe that it's allocated like that. That's just nuts to me. I honestly think it's more on the distributor than BT. Now I could be wrong, but. I think the distributor is just holding a ton back because there is no way that's it's that allocated. No way they don't have enough of it to go around. And, you know, stores are saying, well, we're on, you know, we get two bottles per month now or something like that. I'm like, because eh. I had the same thing. I tried to buy some for somebody for Christmas and like, yeah, we can't find it anywhere. We go all over. I'm like, no, you just go into any store, you grab lands. It's <laughs> yeah. 55, 60 bucks. Right. And it it really is. I was in Total Wine probably three weeks ago and over here, some guy saying to the store manager, well, y'all got any of that blends? Well, uh, can't find it anywhere. And I'm thinking, is that really what everyone is going for now? So, I mean, honestly, I think it's more of the distributor just, manufacturing because, some scarcity on that and putting it on allocation and BT pro, or uh, Buffalo Trace probably has some uh, plays a role on that as well. But it's, it's a little crazy to me because I would probably drink regular Buffalo Trace at 24 bucks and I would definitely tr- 
yep. drink the bourbon community roundtable Buffalo Trace pick <laughs> over Blaine's any day because it's two years older and it tastes a whole lot better. So yeah, but I think I mean, in, it's, it's the new Elmer, by the way, it's the new yeah. Elmer. Tying on to that point too, Blake just said, right? I do believe there's there's a little bit of artificial scarcity being created by everyone involved. The thing to remember too, like when this bourbon was out before. It's, yeah, I mean, you could always find Blanton's for a reason, too. It's because it's $55, $60. And, to, and don't get me wrong, to us and to a lot of people listening on this podcast, are like, oh, wow, that's not that much for bourbon because we're just so used to spending a ton. But for the average consumer, and when they walk into a store, like even when people ask me for recommendations, like, well, what do you what do you think for like $25 to like $35, right? Like once they break that $40 barrier, that $40 barrier, they really don't want to spend much more than that. So for them, like the average consumer who does buy the majority of stuff – you know, they don't want to spend 55, 60. So now when it starts disappearing, you're like, ah, what? Everyone just started like gladly spending a lot more on bourbon. I don't think so. That's a, that's a pretty good take on it. Yeah. I mean, I, that is good. yeah, it, it's for I mean, me, it's, it's when I, when I see people that are in the local groups and they're trying to chase after blends, I'm like, guys, come on. It's, it's fucking blends guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's like, take a step back. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's, Let's just just go do your own homework. I mean, it's, it's got it's, a horse on it. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really it's, does. A, it's a great bottle, and it's got a horse on it, and horses sell. But it's, I mean, don't don't wait for it. Don't hunt for it. So much just, better. You can buy two bottles of something a lot better instead of getting the blends. I mean, Buffalo Trace is big. It's just as big as like. Not as big as Beam, or I mean, they're pretty close though to Heaven Hill and Beam. I just don't believe it's all those they aging warehouses. They're going to be a lot bigger, that's for sure. So, yeah. that's, that's, you know, makes you think. Well, it makes me wonder though too, because it does seem like certain areas don't have it, and other areas do. You know, I, I don't think the distribution on Blanton's was in, enormous in the first place. I don't know that they were ready for people to be hunting it per se. But I, I do wonder if it is, they do make it scarce in some areas to get people talking and get people kind of hunting for it. And I think it's important to make a distinction, too, like we were talking about before, where, you know, there's bottles that are, I guess you'd say, hunt worthy. And then there's bottles that are they're good at their price, but, you know, mm-hmm. don't spend a lot more for them. Don't spend hours and days, you know, don't trying camp to find, out for them. you know, Blanton's is great if you can find it. And it's 55, 60 bucks. But, you know, if you got to hunt and you got to buy more and you got to work liquor stores, you know, and pay 80, 90 bucks for it, that's a whole different, that's a whole different scenario. I think that, you know, I like Elmore T. Lee too, but I think that one for me kind of jumped the shark when it just, people kind of went so crazy for it um, that it became more in demand, I think, than it should have been. And paying so much for it just became ridiculous. And I think Weller Special Reserve got pulled up into, you know, the Weller 12 kind of kind of tornado of you know this is really good for the price and i think people got confused over what was what and that weller name just boy that's great that they've got three bottles there and i think there is some confusion which i think works well for for the brand but at the end of the day you know it's not worth going crazy over and weller 12 is good but you know it's not worth paying an insane amount of money for either no, we're never going to be able. And Nick, what's what's your what's your consistency there? Sorry, Ryan. You know Nick's consistency there. Every brand he mentioned comes from Buffalo Trace, and, and that's the so, scarcity play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then that's that's the scarcity play that you guys have been talking about. I mean, it's it's consistency. They're the ones who are doing this this 
uh, scarcity play, and I think it's false scarcity. I, I think the last bourbon pursuit or bourbon roundtable barrel pick we'll get from Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the value just went up. Actually, this one's going to be really scarce, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we like Bo and Susanna. They'll 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 keep us as friends, right? So hopefully they'll we'll keep us as an in there. Uh, you know, it. it I want to I want to go ahead and you know do a do a solid for the rest of the bourbon community because these are the people that actually listen and follow this. That if you really love Blanton's and you really love it, then you need to do yourself a favor and you know. Jordan's had one behind his back the entire time, but you've got to go get yourself a bottle of straight from the barrel. Yes. If, it's amazing. If it is easily the best thing that you can buy. I mean, if you're going to pay 90 bucks at a retail store for somebody's jacking it up, pay the extra 30 bucks and just have it shipped to your door uh, of getting yeah. it straight from the barrel to be able to do that. Or pay attention, get on mastermalt.com. Every once in a while, they're going to have uh, – Blanton straight from available, straight from the barrel available, and you can go and you can buy it. It'll be 125, 135, whatever it is, shipped to your door. It's worth every penny of it. And so that is the only Blanton's now that does anything for me. So that's 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 a that's a hunting tip for everybody that that is uh, wanting to learn more about it and how to get your hands on uh, something good at a, a. It's not a cheap price by any means, a hundred hundred plus dollars for a bottle of bourbon, but in my opinion it's it's kind of hard to you know you put that against some other hundred dollar bottles of bourbon it knocks out of the park we actually my enjoyment level is right there with that one i feel like that definitely justifies the price we did an article back on btac alternatives for those like for anyone who can't find btac bottles and you know common ones you might be able to find but then we also threw in blanton straight from the barrel as if there were a six btac this would be it and most people have a shot at getting it too so you like blends? Also, do you like BTAC but can't find it? Try a bottle of this. You'll be you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so we're not going to get to our last question tonight because we are uh, already running over our time. We've already hit our hours, so we're going to save that for the next one. So, fellows, I want to say thank you again for joining on the roundtable tonight. And before we start closing it out, uh, you know. Ryan, we had a, this is a pretty good discussion tonight. We've got a, a lot of good things that are coming in regards to the podcast for yeah. uh, new new releases. I mean, I think uh, we've got pretty much everything up to about a episode 150. This will actually be a, a episode 135 when this comes out. So we've got a lot of good stuff that's coming. Um, so what? Any uh, any kind of closing thoughts on your end? You, you know, I just. That that barrel pick was super fun, and and just a recommendation to people that are listening or in the Burma community, don't just talk to these guys virtually. Try to meet up with them. That was so much fun. Like we've hung out, you know, online and talked in chat boards and on these hangouts, and it was so fun to just meet you all in person. Be like, oh, Brian's like seven foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's yeah. That would be my closing <laughs> advice is take it from the virtual world to the real world. That was a lot of fun. That's right. Yeah, that was. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go around. Breaking, you go first. All right. So uh, Nick with Breaking Bourbon, one of the three guys behind the website. Uh, check us out online at breakingbourbon.com and on social media at Breaking Bourbon. If you uh, are interested in Breaking Bourbon glasses, Glen Cairns, or reusable tasting sheets, or getting release calendar updates uh, to your email every time we put one up on the site. And uh, 
just put a big one up today. So check it out if you haven't yet, but uh, be sure to check us out on Patreon. That's Breaking Bourbon or patreon.com slash Breaking Bourbon. Yeah, and this is Jordan. Echo everything Nick said. And also, if you're interested in new whiskey releases for 2018, we talked about it. Hopefully, we'll get on the get on the horn with Kenny and Ryan and talk a little bit more in depth. But a lot of new good stuff coming out in 2018. So everyone should be pretty excited about that. Start saving your pennies. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't blow them all. Mastermalt.com, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, Brian, you go ahead. All right, uh, this is Brian with Sipping Corn. You can find me uh, mostly on Twitter at Sipping Corn. Had a great time at the at the Barrel Pick, and from this point on, I'm going to start plugging a uh, my book, which I'm hoping for a fall release. It's called Bourbon Justice. Um, it's been at the publisher since October. I'm supposed to get some sort of edit editor's proof back here in the next 30 days, and. Uh, Things are rolling, so uh, just in time for holiday shopping. And uh, cheers to everybody, and uh, and look forward to the next one. We know what every bourbon lover wants for Christmas, right? That's right. Exactly. It's <laughs> a good book. That's not written by Fred Minnick. It might be a limited edition, too. <laughs> Ooh, a limited edition? Ooh. <laughs> Old Can I get a second copy? Is, yeah, right. you have, like, pieces of a barrel, like, as a cover or something? <laughs> like, what's the... Well, and some people just won't open it, and it'll be worth more. <laughs> oh, that's, that's that's a smart move. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to crease those pages. It's like a yeah, mint right. Superman right. comic, right? So you yeah. so you buy two, you read one, you put it on the shelf. You bunker the other one. Yeah, you bunker the other one. I get royalties on both. It's like win win. <laughs> Kenny's gonna get a bookshelf at Costco now. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Blake, go ahead and wrap it up, man. I am uh, Blake from Bourboner.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R.com. Uh, uh, Definitely would uh, like to kind of reiterate what everyone said about the the bourbon tasting we did. It was a lot of fun getting together with everyone. So, you know, meet up, drink in person. Don't just be internet friends. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, lot of, a lot of fun can be had. So. Absolutely. Uh, and like I said, it was really, a, it was a good time hanging out with everybody, you know, staying up till, I, I don't know, were we up till midnight or later than that, drinking New York sours? Uh, I honestly don't remember. I, don't I woke up. I was trying to make it sound a little bit too. cooler past midnight. Like, man, were we at <laughs> <on laughs> 4 a.m.? That sounded really lame. It really did. <laughs> Especially because Louisville is one of the only cities where bars actually stay open until 4 a.m. Yeah. Right? I think we got an Uber at midnight so we're cool you know we made it, <laughs> we, we made it. by the time i got to back to my hotel and realized i'd booked at the wrong hotel it was at least 12 30 so <laughs> that was a good story i, I think you need, to, wild you, need, you need to tell it to everybody before we before we sign off here tell everybody that story okay yeah so you know i i, I refuse to do things ahead of time or correctly so uh on my flight to kentucky I get on hotels tonight, or no, it was Priceline, and to book my hotel, Jordan and Nick said, hey, we're staying at this hotel downtown, you know, you can ride with us. So I'm like, all right, stay there, book a room, I'm all set. Get to the hotel that night after we'd been out, you know, drinking at Kenny's Bar, drinking at dinner, drinking at a bar afterwards, go to check in, the guy's like, 
uh, yeah, I don't have your name here. Could it be under a different name? Like, hold on, let me check my confirmation. Apparently, there's two ALOS in Louisville. <laughs> Who would ever thought there was two ALOS? We're big time and now. We are I big time. at the wrong one. Luckily, booked by Priceline, they let me cancel for free and get the same rate at that hotel. So shout out to Aloft. Uh, <laughs> new, new sponsor for the community. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah. They, they, yeah, we, we got to get some money from them. That, I'll, I'll take that all day, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, just to kind of wrap it up, thank you all again. It was a pleasure meeting everybody, all the internet friends coming in and actually hanging out for a little bit. Uh, the guys from Breaking Bourbon had mentioned that yeah, they've got a they've got an email distribution. We actually just started email distribution yeah. too. Cool. Uh, so if you want to get on that, you can actually get every single new episode that comes out is going to be beamed directly to your inbox. You can just go to birdpursuit.com, scroll down a little bit, and there's going to be a subscribe button down there. And you can go ahead, punch in your 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 email address. You're going to be on the listserv. And every new episode that comes out, it's going to come right to you. Haven't really figured out another way to, if we want to push out new information, maybe we will, maybe we won't. I don't know. We just started it today, so we'll, yeah, figure, it we'll figure it out. We'll, we're having a brainstorming session tomorrow, so yes, yes, we got we have things to we have things we'll get to the whiteboard out. out and start start hashing it out for <laughs> later. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what happens. That what happens on a on a Friday afternoon. But also make sure you follow all these guys on all the social media channels. Also follow us, yep. uh, Bourbon Pursuit, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you've got show suggestions, uh, fan mail hate mail whatever it is you can send us it at the duo t-h-e-d-u-o at bourbonpursuit.com and with that thanks you again uh thank you everybody that joined us live we had around 55 viewers live we've had a lot of good chat going on and with that we will see everybody next week Mm -hmm.